Well, good morning. It is good to see you all. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm going to start out this sermon today by asking you to pray for my wife, Melanie. Um, if you don't know Melanie very well, she is the beautiful blonde-haired lady that sits down here in the second row with me on most weeks. Um, a couple of weeks ago, God put a message on her heart about motherhood and her journey through all of that. Uh, Melanie was going to come up here today, right now, uh, really for the first time in front of the whole church, and I was going to interview her. Uh, but in the middle of the night, just a few hours ago, a stomach bug hit her that first hit her first grade students on Friday, and it hit her hard. So instead of sharing her testimony and hosting her mom and dad for lunch with the food that we made yesterday, Melanie is spending Mother's Day in bed. Plans and expectations have been turned upside down literally overnight, and I smell a rat. We knew that her sharing was opposed because her story is a powerful one. Some of you know it. We've been asking friends all week to pray for us as she gets ready to share. Public speaking in front of grown-ups is not something that she loves to do. Only one of us got that passion I shared with one of my pastor groups, they've been praying. And when I heard Melanie get up in the middle of the night, I bumped up the prayers even more. Lord, there is such excitement coming today. Lord, there is so much that, that could happen, and, and there's a powerful story, there's a powerful testimony. Lord, would you overcome this illness? Would you overcome whatever it is? Help this to be just kind of a, a, a bad night and help her to have energy in the morning, because God can answer those prayers, right? Our God overcomes. But this morning at 7 o'clock, she said, I, I can't do it. And so she texted people here about her responsibilities. Can you cover for me? Texted her family and said, I'm sorry, we can't host you for lunch. And here we are. Is this just coincidence that this hits before one of the first public speaking events that she would have had to share about what God has been doing in our life. By the way, the theme of her testimony is listening to God and hearing God's guidance. I prayed and prayed, and Melanie prayed and prayed, but she's still in bed, and I'm here by myself. As you sit here on this Mother's Day, do any of your reflections take you to the same kind of tension and conflict and frustration and confusion? Things aren't working out as you expected. Your efforts are not having the effect that you hoped. Even some of the things that God is calling you toward and very clearly leading you to are not working out in the way or in the time that you expected. Can any of you relate? Any of you? Yeah, we can all relate, can't we? I'll tell you, for the Johnson family, days like today bring clarity to John's quote of Jesus that says, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy, but Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. There is a lot of killing and stealing and destroying going on around us, isn't there? Even in the lives of those of us who are all in for God. But what's the promise of Jesus? He has come that we may have life, even in the midst of the killing and the stealing and the destruction. Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. But this is a tension, isn't it? And you know this tension just like I do. Are there any of you mothers in the room who know this tension? 
Any of you have a child situation that isn't what you've been dreaming of or working toward? Any of you have a strong desire to be mothers, but that gift hasn't been delivered yet? Any of you mothering alone when you hoped and expected and planned and worked so hard to do it as a family? We get this, right? There's a fascinating account in the book of John, and that's where we're going to spend our minutes today, in John chapter 19. So open your Bible if you have it, whether it's on your phone or your device, or some of the chairs in front of you have a little brown Bible uh, on the rack. But John chapter 19 is just three verses this morning. Even if you don't open your Bible, I think you'll be able to, to grab this by listening. But in John chapter 19, starting in verse 25, We're at this spot now where Jesus, at this point in history, and what John's writing about is when Jesus is on the cross, okay? So Jesus, at this point, he's about 33 years old, 32, 33 years old. He's dying on the cross, hours away from the death that we remember on Good Friday. He's lived a perfect life, and he is now a sacrifice for humanity, As he's dying, we pick it up here. And this, by the way, is one of those last sets of words of Jesus. Some of you grew up with like the last seven words of Christ as you were kids. You think about that at Easter time. This is one of those. And here's what it says in John 19, 25. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there are these four ladies near the cross of Jesus while he was hanging there dying. John 19, 26 says, When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, this is written down by John. It's in the book of John. And John is a reliable witness for this because John, in fact, is this disciple whom Jesus loved. John is the one who was standing there in the same crowd as these ladies while his friend, while his rabbi, while his savior, Jesus, was dying. John stood there. Jesus looked down at his own mother and said, Mother, here is your son, talking about John. And John refers to himself in kind of this third-person title, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then he says to John, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. John is telling the story of how Mary came to live with him. His friend Jesus said, John, take care of my mom as I'm dying. John is a reliable witness. And I wonder, what do you think it would have been like for those of you today who are, who are right now, even as we talk about this Gospel of John passage, you're still wrestling with your situation. You're still wrestling with all of the feelings that you have, whether it's Mother's Day or just another Sunday. Some of, some of you are wrestling with your frustrations, and I wonder if you can find, if you can find a similarity with Mary standing here. What do you think Jesus' mother would have felt like as this was happening? Her 33-year-old son is dying in front of her. He was perfect, had such potential. She had seen him do all of these miracles. If he had lived a long life on earth, which she may have been expecting, what kind of good might have come? Jesus was on a mission from God, but he was dying. And so Jesus says, 
woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, here is your mother. I wonder if these words would have surprised anyone else who heard them, anyone else in that crowd. There were some, there were some who really did not care for Jesus, and there was a whole range of reasons why. But there were some who hated him because they didn't feel like he was family enough. Here is a man who was 33, he, he was single, and he was childless, and, and being single and childless was not a place where a 33-year-old Jewish man 2,000 years ago should have been. And one of the reasons why people struggled to think of him as the son of God is that what, this guy doesn't even build a family the way that we've been commanded to. What's going on here? There were others who felt like he, he did not honor his own father and mother enough. There's a story in Matthew chapter 12. It starts in verse 46. Jesus had just at this time in his, in his ministry, recall the first 30 years of his life, he grew up and there were some indications that something really special was happening. But until he was 30, he, he kind of grew up a, a normal-ish life among his Jewish family and Jewish culture. But from the time he was 30 till 33, spent three years in ministry, public ministry, and that's all the stuff we read about with his preaching and teaching and miracles and, and amazing stuff. And so during that time, those three years of public ministry, there was a time where a man was brought to Jesus who was deaf and mute. And we're told in Matthew chapter 12 that this man who was deaf and mute was that way because he was possessed by a demon. And so Jesus cast out the demon, and suddenly the man could hear and could speak. And in Matthew 12, verse 46, right after that event, it says that while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, because things like that draw a crowd, the guy who couldn't speak and couldn't hear, and, and who was just a little bit off, according to what everybody could see, is suddenly made whole. So there's a crowd. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother, that is Mary, and his brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And Jesus replied to that person, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Some thought Jesus wasn't family enough. Some thought Jesus didn't care enough about God's special institution of the family because here he just marginalized his own mom. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? The ones who do the will of God are my family. Jesus never made an idol of his family. He never made an idol of his mother like even some of our criminals do. But in this moment, going through his own pain and agony, Jesus still had the compassion and the love to care for his mother in that moment. Remember what he said? Woman, here is your son. Jesus, dying on the cross, still has, has the wherewithal to say, Mom, he's going to take care of you. And she must have needed a place because John says, indeed, that from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. He cared for her. Now, this is odd, because maybe you picked it up in, in Matthew chapter 12 that I read just a moment ago. Jesus had half-brothers and sisters. Mary had other children. Jesus was the firstborn, and Mary was made pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God. That's that whole Christmas thing, all right? You can read about that stuff at the beginning of the Gospels. But after Jesus was born by the power of God, Mary and her husband Joseph, then the two of them had other biological children. Jesus had at least four 
half-brothers. They're named in Mark as James, Joseph, Simon, and Jude. And Jesus had at least two half-sisters. They're not named in the Gospels, but there are six people who are the biological sons and daughters of Mary. And yet Jesus said, Mother, your son. He gave her care outside of the family. Now, I'm the oldest one in my family. I have a younger sister and I have a younger brother. My parents are healthy. They're sitting here today. They're in very good shape. But not even that long ago, we've had those kind of conversations that says, well, who's going to take care of mom if something happens to dad? And who's going to take care of dad if something happens to mom? Now, crucially, we didn't ask them at all what they want. We're just kind of negotiating as kids. And I can say that and kind of chuckle about it because for me, it's still kind of hypothetical. And we can talk about it with mom and dad and they can laugh too. But some of you know the deep challenge, responsibility, and, and in some cases, the pain of working through those things. How are, we, how are we going to deal with our aging parents? How are we going to make sure that they're taken care of when they can't take care of themselves? If you're not in an age yet where you're thinking about that, let me just tell you, you will be. It's a little side note. So talk about that. Talk about that. You're not asking mom and dad for your inheritance now. We don't do that kind of thing. But hey, what do you want? How are we going to do this? Mom, dad, how do we know when we need to encourage you along? Because a lot, of our, a lot of our older brothers and sisters are saying, I still would like to be at home even when they can't be. It's hard to be aware of our own situation sometimes. Families, talk about those things. And let me tell you, even if you talk about it today on Mother's Day, it will not ruin your day. Being able to talk about these things helps. Here is Jesus giving us an example. He says, mother, go with John. John, take care of my mom. As I said, I'm the oldest, but I know that no matter what happens and no matter what the timing is and no matter what the events are, I know that I won't have to care for my parents alone. I've got a brother and I've got a sister. I've got fantastic in-laws and we've got nieces and nephews and there are grandchildren and there's a church family and there's a community that will help no matter what happens. It's interesting to me that here Mary has six other children, but Jesus sends her to John. There was something about that that was right. And of course, when Jesus says it, it happens. His mom didn't say, oh, Jesus, I'll go with your brother, Joseph. And she went with John. Even as he hung on the cross, do you see what's happening here? Jesus had love and compassion on his mother. Even as he hung on the cross, Jesus provided for her needs by connecting her with somebody who must have had resources. John must have been able to do this because they worked it out and they made it happen. Do you see what happens here? Even in the midst of all this, Jesus is caring for his mother. And, and I think what also is interesting is Jesus has a friend at his side who he can rely upon to help in this significant way. I wonder sometimes if I'm building the kind of relationships in my life that Jesus took time to build in his. Do I have people in my life other than my brother and my sister? Do I have people in my life to whom I can entrust the people who matter the most. If I were in that terrible spot that Jesus was in, and I had to say, mom, go with him. 
You, take care of mom. Do I have people like that in my life I can trust? I believe that I do. But it's easy to, it's easy to get out of whack with those kind of relationships and friendships. Especially when you're going through the strain and the struggle and the challenge that Jesus would have been dealing with. Remember, he is dying on a cross. And as he sees her, he has this ability to, to speak into their lives. That's hard for me. I remember years ago, we, uh, we moved into the house that we live in now in 2005. And so 18 years ago, we moved in. And when we moved in, it was just the perfect little house for us, but it needed a lot of work, like most of our first houses do. A lot of paint, you know, and this needed fixed up. Just little stuff. I mean, that's the only reason why we could afford to move into it in the first place, right? How many of you can relate to that kind of thing? Right? So we worked at it, and, and my dad's handy, and my brother's handy, and I'm a pastor, so we worked at things together, and, um, and there were a couple of projects that I said, hey, could you, guys, could you guys come and help? And one of those projects, within the first year or two, we needed to put a roof on the garage. It's not a real huge garage. It's not a real high roof, but I don't like heights, and, and I'm just not real good at that stuff. But Dad and Anthony came down. It was probably on a Saturday morning. We hopped up on the roof and, and we got it all cleaned off. And, and we had some friends actually that helped us to, to take off the shingles. But then we were putting the shingles back on. And it was a hot day because I, how does that happen? Every time you have a roof to replace, it just always ends up being like the hottest day of the month. And so dad and Anthony and I were up there. And Melanie, my young bride, she had been out that morning uh, going to the store and getting some groceries. And, and we, were, we were working through all this. And, 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 um, and, and Melanie drove up in the driveway, which, of course, is right by the garage. And, and she came out and she just said, hey, Jess, I have donuts and coffee. And I, I don't remember this very well. But apparently what I said was something like, <laughs> she just kind of looked at me. And Melanie remembers everything. She's just fantastic at this. And we laugh about this now. But, but she told me later, she said, she said, I just took those donuts and the coffee right in the house because I could see that you guys were locked in and grumpy and didn't really care to take a break at that moment. And I, and I realized, yeah, that's probably how it was. Because I get that way sometimes when I'm working. Sometimes when I have a job to do, and, and especially if it's a job that I don't like to do, but I really want to get it done, sometimes I go into that place where it's, get this done. Leave me alone. I need to get... Have you ever fallen into the same trap? Have you, when you've been at work, when you've been focused and locked in, have you ever forgotten about the people who you say are the most important to you? Dads, are any of your kids afraid of you when you're at work? Moms, as you care for your children in all the ways that you do, have you ever forgotten to love them while you're caring for them? Do they scatter when you get busy? Not just trying to make your job easier and stay out of your way, but because they just don't want to deal with you? This happens to me more than I wish it did. If you want to flip it around, how many of you have a story, especially those of you who grew up in, in the kind of community or in the kind of situation, I, I think of farm work especially, where you were around your family a lot while you worked. How many of you have a memory of dad growling or, or mom being distant because there was just so much to do and there was no time? These are the things that we fall into, but Jesus showed us a different way, didn't he? Look, work hard. Teach your children to work hard. 
Work at the things that God calls you to. I'm, I'm not saying that we all need to, you know, just sit around for a couple hours and laugh when there's other stuff to do. No, work hard. But do you see how Jesus was? Jesus was on his mission. He was actually dying for his mission. He, he, was, he was dying, not just feeling like he was dying because, boy, it's hot up here on the roof. But no, he was actually dying on this cross. And even then, he took care of mom. Even then, he can see his friend. Even then, Jesus paused, full of compassion, showing God's perfect provision, and says, Mother, your son. Friend, your mother. I had a hard time just being thankful for a wife who thought to bring me coffee and donuts. While we do our important work, while we work out our calling, while we diligently set ourselves to the mission that God has called us, will we live with the same kind of love that Jesus shows here? Can we have the kind of compassion that says, even when we're busy, that I've got you and things can be okay? Whether that's the three-year-old kid, the 30-year-old friend, or the 70-year-old parent. Can we have that kind of awareness that God is calling us to more than just getting our work done. God is calling us to more than just checking off the boxes on the to-do list. God is calling us to relate to people in a way that shows love, that shows compassion, even when things are as intense as the cross. Is there a correction in there for anyone? Church, will you be more loving as you step into the calling that God has placed upon you? I know there are a lot of you in this room that are faithful to God's call. You are, you are doing what God is calling you to do. Whether that's relational stuff in your family, you're working at being a good dad or a good mom or a good son or daughter. Maybe that's something with your job. You're trying to be a great employee or a great boss. Some of you are trying to be great students, really learning all that you can and all of us have something that God's calling us to be great at. While you're being great, would the people around you recognize that you're being great to them? It's not just about getting things done. We're called to live with love. But there's, there's another lesson here as well. Jesus provided for his mom. Jesus had built a relationship with a trusted friend. Jesus showed us to live with love. But there's another one. I'm thinking again about Matthew 12, 48. When Jesus replied to the people, he said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister. I'm thinking again about how Jesus sent his mother to John instead of one of her other six kids. What does that say to us about Jesus' view of motherhood, childhood, and family? What does that say to us that Jesus didn't, didn't just assume that, like the law would have said, that, well, the next child steps up? Like custom would have said, the next child steps up. And by the way, we don't know too much about Joseph, Mary's husband, Jesus' earthly father. It seems that by this point, he's, he's gone and dead but what does it say that Jesus would give his mother to John for care, that John would be responsible for Mary? Is it possible, as we sit here today on Mother's Day, is it possible that motherhood is not just about birth and biology, but about compassion and care and commitment? 
On Mother's Day today, I hope you'll honor your mom. But can I challenge all of us to think beyond biology, beyond titles? I was doing a little bit of research, just kind of playing around this week, and I found out that in the borough of Chatham, New Jersey, if you want to have a yard sale, actually the title on their certificate says a garage sale. In the borough of Chatham, New Jersey, if you want to have a garage sale, you need to pay $3 and get a permit. There's a garage sale license And it says very clearly on page number one on the certificate part of the $3 garage sale license in the borough of Chatham, New Jersey, that this license is non-transferable. And it says garage sale license must be in licensee's possession while engaged in activity. That's a really fancy way of saying, don't give this to anybody else. And if you're sitting at your garage sale, have the certificate in your pocket. Non-transferable, this is serious. (laughs) Apparently, Jesus wasn't just giving out garage sale permits. One of the things that he showed on the cross is that family love and care should go beyond bloodlines. It is fully transferable. Yes, families look out for each other. So many of you are doing a great job of that. Keep it up. Keep it up. But the kind of love and care that Jesus is commanding John and his mother to share with each other, do you see how it goes beyond family, even though family seems to be available? Do you see how the love is supposed to be larger than that? I know people who are fantastic at loving their family, even though they have no concept of God's love. I know some people that that even though Christianity is not a category for them, they are loving their spouse really well. They are loving their kids really well. And they will look out for those people who they call family. But here Jesus on the cross shows us that love is fully transferable, that we can and should give that kind of love, that kind of care, that kind of compassion, even beyond the crowd that we normally call family. Oh, there's a lot packed into these few words here in John. We've seen that we need to be able to trust God even when our plans aren't working out. Mothers, even if your kid is dying on a cross, can you trust that God will come through for you? We've seen that that we're called to love well even, even when we're busy. Boy, that's a challenge for me. I'll bet it's a challenge for a lot of you too. But isn't that worth it? When when you're an old man or an old lady and you're sitting around the table on Mother's Day in 10 years or 30 years or 50 years from now, don't you want your kids to have good memories? Remember that time that we worked with dad? Remember how, how fun that was and how much we got done? Wouldn't you rather tell those kind of stories than remember that time mom brought the coffee and donuts and the guy's kind of growled and, and she just knew to get out of the way. Boy, I, I don't want any more of those kind of stories. I want Bree to sit around someday and say, yeah, even when dad was getting ready for a sermon, even when he was locked in, even when he was distracted by other stuff, he loved me. That's what I want to be said about me. Can you trust God? Can you love well when you're busy? And, and church, today I'm going to ask you, can you love even beyond your family? Like trusting your friends. Or are you building the kind of relationships that allow you to trust your friends with the most important people 
in your life. If you're not, I'm just going to encourage you. You may need to expand your definition of love. You may need to expand the circle of people who you think are worthy of your love. Don't just save that kind of really deep care for your family. If you've got capacity to give it, share it with the people all the way around you. Look out for your neighbors. Do any of you have a neighbor who struggles on their own? Any of you have a neighbor who's maybe not able to keep up with things? If you can keep up with things, help them. Say hello to them. Visit them. Maybe their kids are still there every other day looking in on them. Well, you can too, though. Can you show that kind of love? When you're here at the church and you see people that are maybe by themselves or look a little bit confused because they're here for the first time, but you know your way around, can you show love with them the same way that you might usher your little child through a crowd that they don't understand? Can you show that same kind of love, helping people get to where they need to go and just helping them to feel like they're connected with someone else? As you learn to trust God and as you learn to love well when you're busy, Will you continue to love beyond your family? We can do this. We can do this, church. We can fulfill these challenges because because of what's happening while Jesus spoke. He died on that cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and we could let that old selfish life behind us. He died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to our Father God. That that our hearts could be made new and that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit who makes us able for all things that God calls us toward. See, we can do this because we're not doing it by ourselves. We can trust and we can love boldly, generously, and at all times because because the Holy Spirit fills us. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have access to our Lord, not just shackled by our sin and evil and death, but he died on the cross so that we could have access to the Lord who makes us able to love. That's the invitation, really, that's behind all of this. Jesus showed us how to love. And now even today, even today, filled with his spirit, he equips us to love more and more and more. And we love because he first loved us. Listen, if you don't know about that kind of saving grace yet, if you don't yet understand what Jesus has done to set you free of your sins and and how you can make that real in your life, if you don't know what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be made able to love beyond your family and your home, come talk to me today or, or find somebody even in the row beside you before you leave, ask them about it. And if you're both confused, well, you'll have a good conversation together and I'll be at the front door. Let's talk about this together as we learn to trust God, love well, and love all. Can we pray? Thank you, God, for this chance to be together today to study your word and to think about how it applies to our lives. Thank you, God, that you are trustworthy that you indeed give us everything we need. You provide for us, even in ways that are unexpected. Sometimes people come through who we didn't expect to come through. People care for us, and they're not even part of our family. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder from the cross. Lord, I thank you that you've given us an example of love in Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for for being so clear with your compassion for your mother and for your friend, 
Help us, Jesus, to be more like you in that way. And God, thank you for loving us so much and giving us the ability to love each other through the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that today, for those who are sitting here in this room who don't know you yet, Lord, touch their hearts and spark their minds in such a way that they just can't leave here without knowing your salvation. And Lord, for those of us who have loved you for a long time, help us to love others better. Even when we're busy. And even if we're not related. Thank you, God. We give you honor and praise today. And Lord, we hope that the rest of our lives continue to lift you high. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.